Today we're continuing our message series, God's Power Continues. And we're going through the book of Acts, chapter by chapter. Uh, I've been very excited about this series, and I think it's been a great one. Now as we go through the book of Acts, how do we see the God, God's power continuing? What do we mean by that? Well, in the ministry of Jesus, we saw great power. Jesus healed the sick, he, he raised the dead, he did up many other things. And when we go through the book of Acts, what do we see? We see exactly the same things continuing to happen. We see newly spirit-baptized believers being bold witnesses, speaking for Jesus Christ, even though the government's telling them, be quiet, don't say anything else. They keep on witnessing for Jesus, telling people about him at every chance. Secondly, we see these same disciples performing miraculous signs and wonders. People are being healed. Demons are being cast out. And these signs and wonders, they show God's love, that God cares about people. They get people's attention. And they confirm the word of God that the disciples are speaking. And then as a result of these, these believers' witness, we see a massive response. We see on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people get saved. The church growing by leaps and bounds. And after these people believe, what happens to them? Well, they're water baptized. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then what do they do? These new believers begin to witness as well. They begin to tell other people about Jesus doing the same things that the disciples who witnessed to them did. And so we see the number of believers multiplying exponentially in the book of Acts as they follow the pattern that Jesus Christ laid out for the early church. And we also want to follow the pattern that God gave, that God laid out in the early church. It's a pattern for all time. We want to follow that in our day and time as well. Now today we're going to talk about God's power transforms. God's power transforms. Have you ever met or heard of a person who was so antagonistic to the gospel, so antagonistic to Jesus or the church that you thought there is no way this person is ever going to get saved? Anybody ever encountered or heard about such a person? Yeah, there's people like that. We've encountered them from time to time. But today we want to learn that God's power can transform lives that nobody would think could be transformed. That nobody thought they had a chance of being saved. Nobody ever expected them to darken the door of a church. God can reach those kind of people. Now the transformation of a person's life through the power of God, it does not override a person's will. That person still must respond in faith to Jesus Christ. They still must repent of their sins. But God has a way of getting hold of people's lives when prayers go up for people. To be completely transformed, to be used by God to transform others, a person must follow God's pattern of transformation that's laid out in the book of Acts. Well, today we're going to look at a man named Saul. We're going to look at Saul. Saul was a zealous Jew. He he loved the Word of God in the Old Testament, but he was a fierce persecutor of the church. He thought that the followers of Jesus Christ were not following God's way, that they were some kind of cult who were determined to destroy the Jewish religion in the temple. And so he was fiercely persecuting them. Saul had given his approval when Stephen was stoned. Stephen was the first martyr, and Saul was 
uh, in total agreement with the killing of Stephen. And after Stephen died, after he was stoned to death, Saul began a very horrific persecution of the church in Jerusalem. Whoops. And verse 1, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 9 today. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, and that's what he called people who believed in Jesus, because Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. That's where that comes from. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And so Paul was not content just to persecute believers in Jerusalem. We know that as the persecution intensified in Jerusalem, what did the believers do? Well, they fled. They got out of there and they went to other cities. And one of the cities they went to was Damascus in Syria, uh, which was north. And so as these believers left Jerusalem, fleeing the persecution, Paul, I mean Saul at this point, uh, Saul went after them. He got letters of approval to chase after them, especially to this city in Damascus, which was kind of a central transportation hub at that time. And he, he set out to capture these believers in Damascus and then bring them back to Jerusalem where they could stand before the whole uh, high court of the Jewish law, the Sanhedrin, which had condemned Stephen, and he was hoping that they would be condemned and put to death as well. Now, would you say that Saul was a likely candidate to be a follower of Jesus? Would you have volunteered to witness to Saul <laughs> and tell him about Jesus? No, I don't think so. He was really the arch enemy, it appeared, of the church at that time. So how can God's power transform a person? Well, every person must encounter Jesus Christ. Verse 3 of chapter 9, As he, that is Saul, neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. So Saul was not exactly seeking Jesus as he was traveling to Damascus. He was thinking about, the Bible says, murderous threats. Now, that means he was thinking about killing people. This was not a nice person. And he had some pretty evil plans. And so what believer could possibly speak to him about Jesus without putting their life at risk? And so God knew it was going to take something special to stop Saul in his tracks. And so as he traveled on this road, as he neared Damascus, a brilliant light flashed out of heaven all around him and it got his attention. And as we'll see, it was a light surrounding the resurrected Jesus that flashed around Saul. And so in order for Saul's life to be transformed, he had to encounter Jesus Christ, and he had to listen to what Jesus said. Our story goes on in verse 4. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. The voice responded, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. And so as this light flashed around Saul, he fell to the ground. And he heard this voice, why do you persecute me? He was clueless to who was talking to him. He, and it appears that he, he saw a figure. He said, who are you? And imagine his shock when he heard the voice say, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. In other words, when Saul was beating, when he was jailing, when he, he was killing believers, he was actually 
persecuting Jesus because each of those believers was part of the body of Christ. You touch one part of the body, the whole body feels it, including the head, which is Jesus Christ. And at this point, Saul's whole world was turned upside down. He thought Jesus was dead. You see, he saw Jesus crucified and the body laid in a tomb. I'm sure he believed the rumor that the disciples had uh, hidden the body somewhere, taken it away. He believed Jesus was dead and gone. And here, appearing before him, was Jesus Christ. And so Saul needed not only to listen to Jesus, but to obey his commands. Jesus told Saul, now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The man traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. And so, so Jesus then gave a command to Saul. He said, continue your journey, go to Damascus. And when you're in Damascus, I'm going to tell you what you must do. The men around did not see what Saul had seen. They saw this brilliant light, but they didn't understand the words that were being said. They didn't see Jesus. And Saul had a choice to make. He could have turned around and gone back to Jerusalem. I mean, this was getting a bit hairy as he's going down the road to Damascus. Maybe this is not meant to be. Maybe I should just turn around and go back to safety in Jerusalem. And yet he chose to obey the command of Jesus to continue on to Damascus and await further instructions. And so Jesus had rocked Saul's world. Everything had been turned upside down in an instant. But Saul chose not to be disobedient to this heavenly vision. He put his faith in Jesus. Verse 8, Saul got up from the ground but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. And so what a change for, Paul, for Saul. What a change for Saul. I mean, he'd been in charge. Obviously in charge of soldiers or temple guards or whatever it may be. He was a man of great power and authority with people's lives he held in his hand. If he captured you, your life was his to take or to keep. And now, he was reduced to complete helplessness. He couldn't see anything. And when you're blind, you're pretty helpless. He had to be led by the hand to Damascus by others. The brilliant light had blinded him, and for three days he was blind. He didn't eat or drink. I believe he was overwhelmed at what had happened to him and he spent those three days, as we'll see, in prayer. Praying to God, trying to figure out what had happened. The God he thought he was serving, he now realized he had made a great error. He, was in, he had made a great mistake. And so the transformation of Saul's life began as he encountered Jesus Christ and put his faith in him. I'd like us to watch a short video clip from A.D. The Bible Continues. Uh, the series is on on NBC at 8 p.m. on Sunday nights. And uh, this clip is of Saul encountering Jesus Christ on the road, and it will be shown tonight. So I'd encourage you to watch tonight as well if you're able. Encountering Jesus in a vision such as Saul did is rare. But every person who becomes a believer must encounter Jesus Christ. Most people frequently, most people encounter Jesus Christ 
by talking to somebody who is already a believer. What is true of every believer? A believer has Jesus living inside of them through his Holy Spirit. And so when we speak to somebody else, in a sense, they encounter Jesus Christ, do they not? As we speak the words of Jesus, as we share the truth of God's word, they encounter Jesus and can give their lives to him. Some people encounter Jesus simply by reading the Bible. As we read the accounts written, inspired by the Holy Spirit, of Jesus and the words he spoke, the anointed words of Scripture, they can encounter Jesus Christ. And some people still encounter Jesus in a dream or vision, as Saul did on the road to Damascus. Many reports coming out of Muslim countries in particular, where people have seen dreams and visions of Jesus. There's no gospel witness. They can't hear it out there, but Jesus appears to them in a dream or vision. They give their hearts to him and become believers when they encounter Jesus Christ. And so we must remember that people don't become believers because we have persuasive words, because we have fine arguments, because we know the answer to every question they might possibly come up with. People become believers because they encounter Jesus Christ. And that should be our prayer for every person that we care about. And so this morning, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God wants you to be an instrument of transformation. Our story continues in verse 10. We're going to look at a different person named Ananias. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. And so we're switching scenes now. We've left Saul on the road to Damascus and we're going into Damascus and seeing this believer named Ananias. The Lord also appeared to Ananias in a vision. God wanted to use Ananias as an instrument of transformation, specifically in the, in the life of Saul. And so when God called to Ananias, Ananias responded, Yes, Lord. But as we'll see, Jesus' commands for Ananias were not very easy at all. They were very difficult and really very risky. And so Ananias had to listen to Jesus. The Lord told him in verse 11, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And so now we learn that since coming to Damascus, Saul has been praying, trying to understand what's going on, uh, submitting his life to Jesus Christ, I believe. And as Saul prayed, he had another vision. He had a second vision, and he saw in this vision Ananias coming a man named Ananias coming and laying his hands upon him, praying for him, and his sight coming back. And so God's commands to Ananias was to meet Saul at a certain address. But Ananias had heard about Saul. The reports had spread far and wide. He'd heard about what Saul had been doing to the other Christians. He heard about what Saul had done to Stephen. And so he needed to overcome some doubts. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man. Not sure you have, Lord. <laughs> and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him 
how much he must suffer for my name. And so Ananias argues back a bit with the Lord. Just in case the Lord hadn't heard about everything that Saul had done, he wanted to make sure that God knew this wasn't such a good idea. Maybe, Lord, you'll reconsider or maybe send somebody else. Ananias, of course, was worried that Saul would arrest him, put him in prison, take him back to Jerusalem, and his life would be over. Not a pleasant thought. The Lord didn't argue with Ananias. He simply said, go. <laughs> no argument here. I'm not going to explain this to you, Ananias. Go and do as I've said. I've chosen Saul, God said to Ananias, to be an instrument of mine to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. And not only that, he's going to have to suffer a lot in my name as well. And so to be this instrument of transformation, in order to be used by God in Saul's life, Ananias had to overcome his doubts, overcome his fears, and obey Jesus' commands. And that's what he did. Verse 17, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And so Ananias obeys Jesus' commands. He goes, probably with fear and trembling, to see Saul. He knocks on the door. Door is opened and there is Saul. Now he begins by addressing him as Brother Saul. So obviously his heart has been changed. Brother Saul means that he considered Saul a brother in Christ. And he realized that Jesus had appeared to him. God had shown them that. And so God sent Ananias to Saul to accomplish three things. And so Ananias lays his hands on Saul to accomplish the first two. First of all, that Saul's sight would be restored. And secondly, that Saul would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so as Ananias laid his hands on Saul and prayed for him, he was healed. Something like scales, I don't know what they were, cataracts or something, dropped off his eyes. I think his eyes had just been seared by that laser-like light from heaven. Dropped off and he could see once again his sight returned. And at that time, Saul also was baptized in the Holy Spirit. We know from Saul's writings as Paul that he said he spoke in tongues more than everybody else. And so we assume that it was at this time when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit like everybody else that he began to speak in tongues. Finally, one thing was lacking in Saul's initiation into the Christian life. Well, what was that? He needed to be water baptized, and so Ananias saw to that as well. And so, in this case, the normal order is flip-flopped. Saul was baptized in the Spirit. Before he was water baptized, it can go either way. Uh, that is not that important. And Saul was now ready to go. And Ananias rejoiced in the transformation. I mean, this was a dramatic transformation of a person's life. What did Saul do? At once he, that Saul, began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them prisoners? to the chief priests, and yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus 
is the Christ. What a transformation. Saul went from persecuting and killing believers to being one of the most powerful witnesses for Jesus Christ. Courageous witnesses. He began preaching in the Jewish synagogues that Jesus was divine, that he was the Son of God, that he was alive. People were amazed at this transformation of Saul, and he grew stronger and stronger in the Spirit. And he began to teach from the Old Testament and show all the Old Testament prophecies that predicted that Jesus, what the Messiah would be like and how Jesus fulfilled those prophecies as the Messiah, as the Christ, as the Anointed One. And so I'm sure Ananias was rejoicing at this amazing transformation of Saul. And so what were the steps in this transformation of Saul from from a persecutor to a power-filled witness for Jesus Christ. We need to look at those steps, for the steps back then are the same steps for you and I today. They're the pattern that God lays out. First of all, Saul had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he put his faith in Jesus. Secondly, Paul, Saul was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and thirdly, he was water-baptized. And so to be an effective disciple for Jesus Christ today, those are the steps to begin that journey and if you desire to be used like Ananias as an instrument of transformation, and God desires to use each and every one of you as an instrument of transformation in other people's lives, then those are the three beginning steps that you need to lead people through as well. And so is there someone in your life that you would like to see become a believer in Jesus Christ? And you've thought, oh, I don't know how this is ever going to happen. Today, God wants you to believe that with Him, all things are possible. That He wants your faith to be built, that nothing is impossible with God. If, if God can transform Saul's life, then whoever you're thinking about, He can do the same there. And I believe there were disciples, believers praying for Saul. And that's one of the reasons that God's power broke through in his life. Continue to pray for those who are not believers that you know, that you care about. Or for those who have drifted away from God. Perhaps they knew him in the past, but they've drifted away. Continue to pray for them that God's power would reach into their lives and believe that with God, nothing is impossible. And so this morning, I want to conclude with a couple questions. First of all, has your life been transformed. Are you a believer here this morning? If you're a believer, have you been water baptized? Have you been spirit baptized? If not, to any of those questions, we're going to give you opportunities in a few minutes uh, to address each of those. If your life has already been transformed, are you willing to be used by God as an instrument of transformation in other people's life? I pray that your answer is yes. And so we're going to pray that each morning. This, we're going to pray this morning that each person here would be would be prepared, would be filled with God's power, so that they can be used as an instrument of transformation in others' lives. So that we, as a church, can see many more people in this place transformed by God's power and Spirit. And so this morning, if you're not sure that you're a believer this morning. Perhaps, or perhaps you've made a commitment in the past and you feel like you've wandered away from God. I'm going to encourage you to pray with me and get your life back on track with God. Or if you've never prayed a prayer like this, 
How do you become a disciple or believer in Jesus? First of all, you admit that you've sinned. You've done wrong things. The Bible calls this repentance. You turn away from the wrong and say, I don't want to do that stuff anymore. And I want to follow Jesus Christ. Admit that you've sinned. Secondly, believe that Jesus Christ is alive. Believe that He died on the cross to forgive your sins. Ask Him to forgive you, to come into your life, and commit your life to following Him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer. If you'd, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. God knows your prayers and your thoughts. Say something like this. Father, this morning... I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I've done wrong things. I turn away from those things. I repent. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead and is alive today. And I commit my life to serving Jesus as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you that nothing is impossible with you. We thank you that with you all things are possible. We believe that there's no one who's so far from God that you can't reach them. We pray, God, that you'd build our faith to believe that you can save those that are within our circle of influence that are not yet believers. God, today we pray that every person here this morning would be saved, would be water baptized and spirit baptized. Help each of us, God, to get excited about being instruments of transformation and seeing the lives of other people transformed. Use us to be courageous witnesses in a, in a world where your truth is increasingly despised and discarded. May we learn to listen to the voice of your spirit and follow his direction. Lead us, God, to witness to those around us about Jesus the only way, the only truth, and the only life. We pray, God, that you confirm your word with signs and wonders as we pray for those who need your touch. God, we're going to give you the glory. We're going to rejoice as lives are transformed through the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.